right wing, and now Drysaddle's going to turn to the middle and get it out. Go over to the right wing, into the jet zone. Goes to the right wing corner, Drysaddle in behind the goal. Now on the left, pass in front of the net. Oh, scores! Connor McDavid! What a setup by Drysaddle! And it's 3-0 Oilers! An amazing pass from Leon Dreisaitl over to Connor McDavid. He ripped in his 26 of the season. That was with 9-10 left in the second period. Oilers up 3-0, playing well and cruising. And they played well for about 45 minutes today. Then the Jets came on, and the Oilers have to hang on to get a 4-2 win. But nonetheless, it is a victory five in a row for the Oilers. They're 5-0 under Jay Woodcroft, and the record for the season now 28 18 and 3. Hope you're having a great Saturday. We're in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, for the most part, a, a really good game for the Oilers. Uh, I mean, out shooting Winnipeg, the shots after two were 28 16. The majority of the chances, good special teams. Uh, and then it got interesting. And it, it, it got interesting during a stretch of time in which the Oilers had a chance to put the game even further away or at the very least kill four minutes off the clock and, and be about eight minutes away from, from a victory. But they gave up a shorthanded goal. They actually gave up two shorthanded breakaways while on a four-minute power play. Uh, Dylan was stopped by Koskin on the first one, and then Lowry scored on the second one, and that really ignited the Jets. It, it did. And to me, it was just poor game management by uh, by the Oilers, uh, particularly Tyson Berry, uh, a couple misreads. Uh, you have a three-goal lead. You don't need any goals on the power play. You, you try to score, but you, you you keep it simple. You don't do any high-risk plays. And on the first breakaway he gave up, he just got caught way in too deep. He was almost at the hash marks. And he's the high guy. So once he's down low, there is no support for him. And then it gets into a foot race. And Tyson buries a lot of things uh, that are good in hockey, but he's not speedy. And you saw Dylan just fly by him and go in on a breakaway. So at that point, okay, we made one mistake. Well, let's let's smarten up. And then the next time, again, he got caught on the boards. He's the high guy. And Lowry just snuck up the middle. You have to play it safe. You have to, it's game management, okay? Three nothing. I'm gonna move more to the middle of the ice. Their guy's breaking. And you know that the Winnipeg Jets are gonna cheat. They're down three goals, they're shorthanded for four minutes. They have no other option but to cheat on the penalty kill. And if that's the case, then you got to make sure you're in better defensive positioning. And, and the Oilers weren't. And then when they scored a shorthanded goal, uh, you knew there was going to be a push. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, you'd be disappointed if you're a Winnipeg fan or coach or management if they didn't. And, and they did push. And they got a power play. They scored. And all of a sudden, it just got a little more hairy for the Edmonton Oilers. But all in all, a good game. And they put away at the end of the game. That's going to bode well for them going down the stretch. Interesting from this one, there was only one goal scored five on five. Hyman on the power play, Yamamoto's was five on five, McDavid's was four on four, Lowry's was shorthanded, Connor was also on the power play, and Nurse will count as a as a five V six goal because Hellebuck was on the bench for an extra attacker. So the Oilers actually come out ahead in the five-on-five five battle as well. Uh, just three five-on-five five goals against since Jay Woodcroft took over as head coach. So that was, uh, Rob, some of your thoughts on the Jets' attempted comeback, which had me flashing back to last May, quite frankly. I, I know there was a little more <laughs> on the line in Game 3 of that playoff series, but full marks to the Oilers for how they played through, like I said, about the first 45 minutes of this game, like killing off 
penalties early, and we'll uh, get more on you for from you in a sec, Rob. Let's go back to Winnipeg. Here's Jay Woodcroft. Uh, how did you break down the effort from your team tonight? Uh, I would say five five wins for the Edmonton Oilers. I thought it was. Um, you know, you just had Miko Koskinen up here, but what a performance he put in. I thought he instilled a lot of confidence in our team. Um, really uh, thought our penalty kill stepped up tonight, especially early in the game. It would have been easy to hang our heads down five on three uh, the way we were, but uh, there's a lot of warriors there uh, that were diving in front of pucks. I think it was six or seven penalty kills against and only three power play shots against, so uh, that's a credit to our penalty kill, which is starting to build some confidence. And then what I really, really enjoyed about tonight's game was the fact that, uh, you know, they got a little bit of momentum uh, the last eight or nine minutes of the game but our team didn't flinch everyone was calm they were saying the right things on the bench and uh, we found a way to come out of a tough building with two points which is the most important thing so what happens if you got the three nothing lead and you get a four minute power play mm -hmm. are they just gambling to try to get breakaways or did your team just attended this just dropped off on them no, I think uh, naturally when a team's down by three goals, they're willing to take a little bit of risk. And they, you know, they had some bounces here or there. And give them credit. They're a good hockey team, a really, really good hockey team. And uh, um, those things happen sometimes. There are things or growth moments that we can talk about and, and get better at going forward. But um, like I said, uh, they pushed and we didn't flinch. Now, Connor never likes talking about himself, but he was wheeling around people. Not like their traffic cones. I'm going to say that, but in the first two periods, he had another gear. Yeah. He wanted the puck. He just give me the puck. Yeah, did I thought. You it, see that? from the bench, obviously. Yes, I did see that. Uh, you know, he had it going on tonight. He has, uh, and he has it going on most nights. Um, but in the end, it was a close game, and and some of the plays that uh, our top players made uh, were the difference in the game. Uh, in the for opening two periods, Jay, specifically Connor and Leon, the number of times I counted them around your goal line or even below it sometimes, when the top guys are buying into the system you have here, what kind of precedent does that send in that locker room? Well, I think it's contagious, first of all, uh, when some of the best hockey players in the world are working their way back into their own end with a, a type of relentlessness, a relentlessness and attention to detail, I think uh, the rest of the team follows suit. Those You mentioned a couple players there. Those two are leaders on our team, and so uh, I think it's a good sign uh, when they're leading the way um, by committing to the defensive side of the puck. I really like the way we played the, the game 5-on-5 five five tonight. I thought it was um, very detailed, and um, in the end, found a way like I said, to get two points in a tough building. Very good shot blocked by CC on Shifley there, mm -hmm. two men down. Yeah. He does that a lot. He gets in the way of lots of shots. Yeah, I mean, he's a warrior on the back end, and he's somebody that uh, is one of our unsung heroes on the back, and uh, another good one at the end of the game. And like I said, Miko stood firm, got contributions from a lot of people, and found a way to get two points in a tough building. You've got to win from Skinner. you got to win from Well, yeah, and uh, I think all three goaltenders that you mentioned um, have played very well. They they instill confidence in the team. Uh, as a coaching staff, we're confident in all of them, and uh, it was uh, 
really happy for Miko tonight because uh, you know he was playing well kind of before the the break and um, through no fault of his own uh, he ended up on COVID protocols and he really worked hard to get back um, to be able to play a game and put in a really good performance tonight. I'm proud of him. Thanks, Jay. All right, that's Jay Whitcroft, head coach of Edmonton Oilers after a 4-2 win over the Winnipeg Jets. Reed Wilkins, uh, Rob Brown with you here as we're coming up to 5 o'clock. So, Rob, I, I was saying before we went to Jay there, uh, through the first 45 minutes, really good performance by the Oilers. They got it started early. They were in a hole down two men for 90 seconds, didn't allow a goal, and, and kind of carried the work ethic and the performance from there. Uh, not only did they allow a goal, uh, they didn't allow a, a scoring opportunity when they were down five on three. And and that's that's important because if you have a power play and you create a number of chances and and you get thwarted by good goaltending or a post, you can still carry momentum from that power play forward. But if you have a power play, especially a five on three, and you get nothing out of it, well, that sends a, your bench just has a sag. And the Oilers bench had the opposite. They're, they're getting up, okay, look at this tonight. Look at these penalty killers. Look what they did. Uh, I, I said at the beginning of the, the game or during the first period intermission, a five-on-three should be an automatic goal. They, that's what you ex- That's the expectation. The power play out there, okay, we're going to score a goal. Just how quickly are we going to score it so we can have some power play time left to go five-on-four? So the Winnipeg Jets really messed that up, not uh, getting any pucks on net. But having said that, the Oilers did a good job getting into passing lanes, getting into shooting lanes. Uh, they won a big face-off to start the whole playoff to get the puck down. Uh, their penalty killing was very, very good tonight and set the tone for the game and allowed their their best players to get out there. It, it's tough starting a game on a power play, and the Oilers made sure that the Winnipeg Jets weren't able to take advantage of it. All right, so 4-2, the uh, Oilers win it. So 28-18-3 and three now is their record for the season. Just a wild finish, Rob. So... Connor scores on the power play with 5.22 left, and then it's like, okay, now it's really on. The Oilers get a, okay, a crazy sequence, first of all. So with about 2.25 left, Hellebuck's coming to the bench, and Hyman and McDavid basically get a 2-on-0, and, or uh, Hyman and Dreisaitl, and Dreisaitl's going in on Hellebuck as he's still backing up into the goal after the attempted pull. And uh, Leon didn't get the shot off. And then Dreisaitl swipes at the puck near the Oilers bench. And the Oilers get called for too many men with 2.22 left and going to kill that off. Or part yeah, of the 12.5 left. Yeah, I think Connor jumped on the ice because Leon would be his man and Leon was still out there. And it was it was pretty easy call. Uh, they, the, when they showed the overview, there were six guys out there for, for a little bit of time and the Oilers get the puck. So it's hard to uh, not make that call as the ref. But the Oilers also got fortunate. They, they were shorthanded, and the puck was cleared down, and Hyman went into a uh, – was fighting for the puck at center. He tripped the Winnipeg Jet player, and that would have given the Winnipeg Jets a six-on-three with 45 seconds to go in the offensive zone. But as Leon was about to pick the puck up, the, the, the Winnipeg Jet player didn't realize there was a penalty coming. He sees an empty net. He slashes the stick and snaps Leon's stick in half, which got a Winnipeg Jet a penalty as well. Not only do they lose the six on three, the faceoff is now all the way back down in Winnipeg's end. So the Oilers uh, caught a huge break there because they could have been down six on three. That doesn't well because not only could Winnipeg have st- tied the score, power play going into overtime. Uh, but the but the Oilers penalty kill at the end, and I know that one of the reporters asked uh, about Cody Cece. 
I mean, putting the, your body on the line. Cody Ceci has been excellent all season long. And tonight in, in the game, excuse me, this afternoon in the game, the block shots he made in that final little sequence. I mean, Mark Shifley, the hottest Winnipeg Jet on the team, or on the team and one of the best goal scorers in the league, has the puck right where he wants it. And CeCe gets down and blocks the shot. So uh, the others got it done. I think uh, that that you, you don't like the fact that Winnipeg came back, but you do like the fact that the Edmonton Oilers, when they faced adversity at the end of the game, when they're down uh, a man, when they just given up two goals, found a way to win the hockey game. That That means a lot going forward that they knew that even when things were going wrong for them, they still had the patience and, and the confidence to get it done. I'm just looking at the summary here on NHL.com, Rob. So they it says Hyman got a penalty for tripping Shifley, and then it says Morrissey got an interference penalty on Hyman. So I, I don't know oh, what thought, they actually... I thought they afford. were giving it... Yeah, yeah I, I thought, I thought it was as well. Yeah, because Leon stick was... And Leon, like, he, he had a wide-open net, and all of a sudden, he's got but no technically, stick in his hand. So I, but technically, when Leon touched the puck, that would have killed the play if there was a penalty on Hyman anyway. And I, I don't... Like, it, that was a weird tripping penalty on Hyman because basically he just decided I'm just skating through these two guys. And if I knocked them down, I knocked them down. I mean, all three It was like guys a bowling ball. Bowling ball the, yeah. between the pins. Yeah. He got the spare there. <laughs> That's right. I mean, Hyman, of, I thought Hyman was excellent again in this game. He had a good game. And yeah, I mean, Hyman just, I, I, I don't know. And I, I, I loved what he did when he was a Toronto Maple Leaf. And I was always glued to him when he was on the ice. But I don't know if I ever got to uh, appreciate the, his ability to hold on to the puck, his ability to go into traffic, and, and all of a sudden he comes out of the traffic and he still got control of the puck. Tonight, there's one time he went around the entire offensive zone with the puck on his stick. He is strong on his on 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 the with the puck on his stick. He's he's like a Leon or a Connor that you can't get it away from him. So he, I think. With, with the injuries and COVID and the way the season has gone, I don't think we ever got to see Hyman get into a stretch like he is right now where you're seeing, okay, now why every team in the National Hockey League wants him because he always gave you the effort, but now you're also seeing the offensive abilities that he has. And the thing about Hyman, he, he's like Nugent Hopkins where he can play in every situation. And as you're a coach, you look down, okay, we need Hyman out there. Okay, wait a sec, this thing's happening. Okay, we need Hyman out there. And he just becomes more and more valuable the more important the times of the game come along. He becomes a more important player. All right, and Hyman scored back in the first period his 17th of the year on a power play deflection as the Oilers beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-2. Connor McDavid with a goal and two assists in 26 career regular season games against the Jets. He now has 47 points. Here's the captain. The opening two periods uh, looks like the Jets made things interesting, but you guys held on. Went, uh, held on to the win today. Uh, yeah, I thought our first two periods were really, really strong. Um, you know, gave ourselves a bit of a cushion there. You know, I don't like giving up the shorty to get them back in the game, obviously. And then, um, you know, they find a way to to make it a game. They're a good team and they're playing well, and um, but they made it a game. Was the opening 20, 40 minutes of this hockey game kind of what the change of this new era is under Woodcroft with the third guy, fourth guy coming back, helping out the defenseman? You guys look like a really strong team in your own zone. I know it kind of got away in the third, but is that really what the big change is here? Uh, I thought you used a good word in the first question, you know, just connected. You know, I thought we had five guys all over the ice, um, you know, having layers everywhere, um, you know, making it hard, uh, hard for them to come through us. 
uh, maybe just let us in to the mind of an athlete, uh, especially a superior athlete. It looked like right from warm-up you had an extra step. And I know you don't like talking about yourself, Connor, so I apologize. But when you come into a, a game like this, in warm-up, you have an extra step, and then you're all over it. Maybe just take us through the mindset throughout the game. Uh, yeah, you have nights where you feel good. You have nights where you don't feel so good. And, you know, tonight I uh, I felt good. And, you know, I thought our team played well. Can you tell the warm-up? I've had warm-ups where I felt great and played terrible, and I've had warm-ups where I've felt terrible and played great. So um, I don't think warm-up is a great uh, tell on how you're going to feel in the night, but um, you know, tonight I felt good from the start. You mentioned the shorthanded breakaways on that. Was that just loss of attention? Did you had a four-minute power play there, and all of a sudden Yeah, I thought they, uh, you know, they're, uh, like I said, they're a good team. Um, you know, and they were smart. You know, they they started sending guys. I thought one of the, their one of their one of their breakaways was a D man. You don't see that a ton. So, you know, they were sending guys up the ice and, and challenging us. And you know, we obviously didn't do enough uh, to, to to stop them. So, obviously, uh, Meeks makes a great save there on the first one. And you know, we can't give up the second one. That's that's totally on us. So, um, you know, we can't do that. Uh, it's very hairy in those six on fours trying to cover everybody but yeah it's tough you know they got two extra guys and um you know i thought our guys did an amazing job c sells out and blocks one um it's never easy to do i thought leo and and, and nuge and himes uh you know battled and obviously nursey does what he does and and meek stood strong so i thought uh you know, they did a great job there considering meek had played a while didn't look like he really missed the beat no, he looked good. He played really well. Um, you know, he uh, he made the saves when he had to, and you know, and he was solid coming down the stretch there. So, um, you know, he was uh, he was a real big piece to the win. So, it's four games in seven days, and you get another one tomorrow. At what point do you say, "Oh man, how many games are we going to play this week"? It's a busy week. It's a busy week. Um, there's no doubt about it. But there's no excuse for us. Um, you know, we got to find ways to to keep this thing going, and you know, no easy task with uh, a good wild team coming in tomorrow. Connor, I know you talked about Koskinen, but the goaltending this week from Skinner, Smith, and Koskinen, how much of a backbone has that been for your guys' success this week? Well, I think it helps a lot. You know, it's a it's a five and seven for us. Um, you know, and you need contributions everywhere from your lineup uh, when you got that many games. So, um, you know, all, all the guys have been great. You know, starting with Skin, Skin, uh, Skinny there in in, uh, in San Jose. So. You know, we're, we're confident in our goaltending, and, you know, we've been better in front of them, but, you know, they've been uh, they've been real solid back there. Not often with three different goalies in the same week. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely unusual, but there hasn't been much uh, usual about this season from uh, from everything that's gone on. So, um, you know, we, 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 uh, we believe in all those guys, and, you know, we know that uh, we had to be better in front of them, and I thought we have done that, and, you know, they've been good for us back there. All right, that is Connor McDavid. Three points this afternoon. The Oilers win 4-2 in Winnipeg. They have won four in a row. That's a $400 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given 100 bucks every time the Oilers score this season. McDavid kind of had a laugh there. He said, well, yeah, I felt good in the warm-up today, but I've had warm-ups. I felt good and played terrible and <laughs> vice versa. Did that ever translate to anything for you, Rob? Well, it's true. It's funny. When I played in Pittsburgh, Mark Recchi and I were good buddies, and he would come, how are you feeling today? I go, legs aren't good. He goes, yeah, mine either. And whether it be game, oh, the legs feel good. And it's it's amazing. You do nothing different. You, you All season long, you do your workouts, you do every, ride the bike, and you get your sleep or whatever it is. And there's some days you feel great, and some days you, feel don't, you don't feel great, and you don't know what the difference is. Yet something happens at the beginning of a game, and you might get a bounce for or against you, and then that will dictate how your game goes. So 
Uh, I don't think I've ever had a warm up like Connor does, where I feel like really, really fast like he does. <laughs> so I think his his warm ups are a little bit different. But it's funny in in Chicago when I played for Mike Keenan, he would sit up in the organ loft. He'd always dress two or three extra players, and your warm up dictated who played and who sat. So in Chicago with the Blackhawks, you always want to have a really good warm up. You guys are going bar down on our starting goaltender just to make sure you're in the lineup. Yeah, that's, it would have been some intense. Uh, the warm-up might have been more competitive than the game. Oilers uh, <laughs> win 4-2 over the uh, Winnipeg Jets this afternoon. Special teams, Rob, a huge story in this game as we'll update the power plays for Extreme Power Products. Your full-line Kubota dealer with four locations, including a new one in Camrose. Check out Extreme with the next powerproducts.com. So here's the, the final tally. The Oilers go one for five on the power play. The Jets go one for six. Uh, all the special teams inflated some ice time tonight. Dreisaitl played 24-49. He's obviously on both units. Hyman got up to uh, 22-24. Nurse played 27-42, including 5-45 short-handed. Uh, we were talking about CC. He played, think about this for Cody CC. He played 21-31. 5-44 of that was short-handed. So for about a little over a quarter of the time Cody CC was on the ice tonight, the other team had at least one uh, one extra skater. But uh, the Oilers' power play clicks and, and firing away, Rob. I mean, a, a simple thing. Barry just blasted on net. Well, that's what they have to do. They have to simplify. I mean, if you ever want a great example, look at Winnipeg's 5-on-3 where they didn't shoot and didn't get a goal and didn't change the complexion of the game early. The Oilers have, have I don't know if they've struggled on the power play lately, but they just haven't had the the success rate that they had earlier in the season and teams are just playing them a certain way and they're giving them the shot. And tonight on the one power play, they used it and Barry had a couple other really good chances. I think that's what they have to continue to do. Uh, put pucks on net, then that'll create chaos and chaos will create opportunities. So uh, it was an important goal. But having said that, they gave that back when they had their four minute power play and gave up the shorty. So uh, to me, the penalty killing unit tonight was a bigger factor in this game than the power play unit. Yeah, fair comment for sure, as the Oilers win it 4-2 over the Winnipeg Jets. Okay, we're happy to hear from you this afternoon. The hotline is 780-496-0063. It, of course, is presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. We will uh, get to some of your phone calls. We'll have post-game reaction from Miko Koskinen when we get back. This is Hartland Ford, Overtime Open Line on the left wing. McDavid to Nugent Hopkins. On the right to Dreisaitl. Cross ice. It goes to Nugent Hopkins. Another great save made by Hellebuck. And the puck knocked down. A partial break. And Dylan might have a short and a breakaway. He does. Here's Dylan. The shot. Oh! What a save made by Koskinen with a right pad off of Brendan Dillon shorthanded. The first of two shorthanded breakaways. Miko Koskinen had to face on an Oilers four-minute man advantage. He was beaten on the second one, but he makes the save there, his save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Costin with 22 stops this afternoon. How about this? He's 5-0-1 in his last six as the Oilers have won five straight with a 4-2 win in Winnipeg. Rob, before we go to the phone calls here, would have you considered, and I, and I know on the Oilers' second power play unit it's different, but would have you considered having 2D on the ice for that entire four-minute power play with a 3 nothing lead? Um, not when it was 3 nothing. I wouldn't have. Um, the Oilers normally are not, uh, they don't give up a whole lot. They don't give up a lot of shorthanded goals against. They don't, they don't make silly plays. 
once it became 3-1, uh, then yes, then I would have certainly contemplated it. And most teams do. Most coaches do. We saw earlier this, I think it was game one or two of Woodcroft, that he did late in the game put a second defenseman back out there. Uh, I mean, you take a little bit away from your offense, but you certainly send a message to your team, all right, we've got enough goals, let's just go win the game. But yeah, I would have I would have contemplated, not to start with, but certainly part way into the power play. All right, 780-496-0063. We will welcome Alan to the show. Hey, Alan, go ahead. I, uh, I'd like to say that, uh, uh, and Rob said about uh, game management, uh, that's my point, and my point is this. The Oilers played really good for the first two periods, uh, up 3 nothing. Uh, I coached uh, a fairly high level, uh, under 18, uh, pretty good teams, but uh, what I would do at 3 nothing, uh, I'm, I'm talking about center dump. You've got three goals, uh, a 1-2-2 two, two, four-check, and, and even if you have a four-minute power play, uh, you know, play the outside, take your shots from the top circle don't don't give what they what they did was that shot from the center's high slot which resulted in two shorthanded chances which which then gave them a goal and then my point as a as a former coach as soon as you do that can you please call a timeout and say boys we've got enough let's play defense here this is where they lack. They need to play defense. They had, the, they played a great game in the first two periods, but this, the last period was a disaster. And they have to, they have to fix the disaster because, to me, uh, as much as Koskinen uh, has been uh, uh, demeaned in the media, the guy deserved a shuttle tonight. And that's my comment. Yeah, I appreciate that, uh, Alan. A couple of things. Do you think Woodcroft should have called a timeout? Like, I wouldn't have called one after the first goal. Would you called one no. after the second Jets goal, Rob? No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think he has to stress we've got to play better defense. I mean, every one of those players realizes, you know, and you heard McDavid talk about it, we can't give up two breakaways. So it's not like they're sitting on the bench, okay, we can still keep going forward. Don't worry about it. Um and then they score in the power play. No, it, he, he said that on the bench they were calm. He said they were saying the right things. That's what you, when a timeout happens, it's because your team starts running around and they're, they're, not, uh, they're not focused or, or they're a little shaky or they're lacking confidence. So if you look down your bench and they're all calm and prepared and ready, uh, you, Winnipeg's good. And you would expect that they would have a push. If the Oilers were down 3 nothing and they got a shorthanded goal, you would expect the Oilers to have a push, and that's why they always have, what is it, score effects? The team that's losing usually has a big push in a game, and they start creating all the offense. I, I think the Oilers did a pretty good job coming down the stretch. They got they gave up the goal. It's 3-2. Uh, they, they finished it off. So I, I wouldn't have called a timeout. I, I probably would have had two defensemen on the second half of our play just to protect against you know, another shorthanded goal. Um, but they got tested. They faced adversity and they came through. 4-2, the Oilers win it. Whenever Edmonton gets to five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That would allow you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. They did hit uh, five the last couple of games, seven against Anaheim and five against uh, LA. Four tonight.
in the 4-2 win over the Jets. 780-496-0063. We have uh, Sir Robert on the line. Hey, Sir Robert, what's on your mind today? Uh, not much. Hey, boys, how you doing? Good. Well, I mean, you know what? I'm not, uh, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to sit here and say, I'm certainly not going to sit here and, uh, you know, complain about a win. I mean, you know, it's nice to be, it's nice that they got up three, nothing. I thought the, I thought the finish, they were, I thought they got a little sloppy there in the third towards the end. But I mean, but I mean like one thing, but, but I mean like one thing I've noticed and I'm not sure if you guys would agree with this, but I think, but, but I think that, uh, in uh, years past, a three nothing lead, a three nothing lead dwindles to three two. I think the Oilers may have potentially completely fallen apart. Uh, well, I mean, I guess there. Thanks, Sir Robert. I, I, I mean, certainly there's that uh, concern because it just happened. Well, the lead was four one back in the playoffs, Rob. So uh, yep. I can't think of a regular season game. Well, I guess they had a 3-0 lead against Washington. That wasn't in the third period, but then they wound up winning 5-3. I, I mean, yeah, it was dicey, and like Alan said on the previous call, it was it was a lot tenser than you would like it to be. Certainly, you give the Jets credit. They're trying to fight their mm -hmm. way back into the game, but you would hope that... Um, I, I guess I'll put it this way, Rob. You would hope a 3-0 lead with a four-minute power play with 12 and a half <laughs> minutes left in the game turns into a quiet victory you know kind of a okay let's let's wind it down and, and and just get out of here uh as opposed to getting as tense as it was you would hope that but you also would expect that with a three nothing lead in a four minute power play you'd win the game and they did uh, so i think that's the big part they it's i mean you could dissect losses all the time and certainly the coaches will dissect wins but to me they they did what they needed to do they they built up a three nothing lead in winnipeg uh they weathered a storm. They weathered a, a blunder on their, their power play where they gave up the shorthanded goal, um, and they got it done. To, to me, the Oilers, again, they're not a perfect team, but they're a better team. And they went into Winnipeg and they won, and they've won five straight. Um, that's, that's the part I look at it. I mean, you look at it the other side, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, this is a team that's desperate for points on the outside looking in, and through 40 minutes, weren't very good and they had a five on three power play that they didn't score on and they had a six on four at the end of the game that they weren't able to score a goal with so the, I'd rather be on the Edmonton Oilers side of it saying all right we made some mistakes but we were good enough and we were the better team for most of the night so we win the hockey game neither team was perfect the Oilers were a little bit closer to it uh 40 24 the shots on goal for the Oilers in this one tonight so Connor Hellebuck a pretty good game he stopped uh he would have been 36 out of 39 for saves in this one Nurse got the empty netter right at the end great shot by Nurse say eh? the 200 footer <laughs> he was right behind his own net <laughs> yeah but if you take every Oiler and send them back put them back down there uh, they're gonna go probably 85 to 90 for five percent are gonna put the puck in the net he had lots of time he knew there was very little time left in the game He's just trying to hit a wide open net. Those guys are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about the ice time. I mentioned it was a little different today. The special teams played a factor. I mentioned 11 power plays combined. I know some overlapped. Uh, Derek Ryan didn't play as much today, played 8.59. Tyler Benson actually played more than Ryan at 9.10, and Perlini only got into 3.48. It's basically... I mean, even with Woodcroft in here and doing things a little differently, it's basically a 10 forward team, even if they dress 11. 
Yep. No, absolutely it is. So it's more or less a three three line team with one guy filling in. It's just which fourth line guy gets the, the, the extra couple minutes. Um, I mean, Derek Ryan lost a lot of ice time tonight because there were what, 13 power plays in the game or something along that line. And not only is it the, the power play, the, it's when the Oilers kill, as soon as they kill, they go to Connor or Leon, one of those two lines or the, them combined. So if you're a third line guy or a fourth line guy, you've missed the, the shifts because you were shorthanded and you're going to miss the shift again when you come out of the shorthanded and then a penalty comes after that. So now you're sitting there. It sometimes becomes a very, very long stretch. I've been in, I've been on a first and second line and power play guy and I've been on a third and fourth line guy. When there's specialty teams, games with lots of penalties in it, it really, you love it as a power play guy or as a skilled player. But I tell you, you do not like it as a third and fourth line guy because you can go long, long stretches without seeing the ice. Bit of a shorter straw for Broberg on the back end tonight. Played six and a half. Niemalainen, Bouchard, and Lagesson all between 13 and 14 minutes. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, Nurse saw up over 27, CC over 21, and Barry just over 20. And uh, he got some extra time because of the power plays tonight. That's how it breaks down as the Oilers beat the Jets 4-2. Back to the Certainty Hotline, we have uh, Ron from Red Deer checking in. Another great call by Cam Moon this afternoon. Ron, what's on your mind? Well, I'm going to do my first of all, my PA announcement. If anyone's coming from Lacombe through to Olds, uh, the Red Deer area, it rained, it snowed, and the roads are going to be very, very treacherous. So please. Oh, wow. Okay. Care. Thanks. Yeah, please drive carefully through central Alberta. And um, thank you, gentlemen. You guys are great taking our calls. You guys have been up till midnight, 11. You get to go home early today. <laughs> and I'm, already, I'm already in my house. <laughs> We're doing the show from Reed's house. His mom keeps bringing over donuts and stuff. No, it's been awesome. That's not entirely true, but we're, we work from home for the road games for the time being. Okay. And I just actually want to just say thank you guys for taking all our calls. And, and Reed, my last time I called, I was saying, hoping going four for six. Well, we're two for two now. So just got to get two more out of the next four. Well, yeah, these these games are going to be fun. <laughs> I mean, thanks, Ron. It's nice to hear from you. And thanks for the for the weather alert. I think there's bad weather coming in through a, a lot of Alberta today, so we appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's you know what I'm like, Rob. I always figure, bring it on. It's 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 not always pretty. I mean, this game, yeah, could have they closed it up, but they got the win. Minnesota's good here tomorrow night, back to back for the Oilers. Minnesota's already in Edmonton, and then uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, Carolina all on the road and back-to-back next Saturday and Sunday, Florida and Carolina. So they, like we were talking about earlier in the season, they, they've banked some wins. They banked some wins early under Dave Tippett, and now they've banked wins to start Jay Woodcroft's tenure. But uh, these these next four, they just keep getting tougher. Yeah, they do, and that's why it's important that they took care of business this week. Uh, they're, they're in a dogfight with Vegas and Calgary in their division. So... Uh, there's going to be a tougher stretch. We know I, I can't remember the exact things, but I remember when Calgary went out east on that swing, they they struggled. And I remember a couple of the other Western Conference teams went out on that string and they uh, that swing and they struggled. So the Oilers want to make sure you bank the points that you can to the teams that you should beat and then hope you get a break or a bounce against the top teams in the league. But I, I can see just watching them play. There is a, an air of confidence about this group right now, and I think they feel that they can beat anyone any night in any rank.
All right, so the Oilers win 4-2. More time for your phone call, 780-496-0063. And you'll also hear from Miko Koskinen, who gets the win. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. The blue line to Barry. Now over to Nugent Hopkins. We'll give it to Barry. On the right to McDavid to Barry. It's one-timer, scores! Tyson Barry hammers it from the point. It beats Hellebuck on the stick side. May have been tipped in front of the net. And the Oilers have a 1-0 lead. Yeah, that one was tipped by Zach Hyman, his 17th of the season. The Oilers beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-2. Uh, pretty good game by Zach Hyman, even though he found himself in the penalty box a couple of times. And the Oilers have won five straight. They're 28-18-3. So updating that Pacific Division that Rob was talking about. The Flames have won eight in a row. They play later on tonight. They have 62 points in 47 games. Vegas now has 60 points in 50 games. And the Oilers have 59 in 49. So actually by points percentage, it's now Calgary and Edmonton 1-2. Edmonton is just barely ahead of Vegas in terms of points percentage. So it's going to be a fun race. LA is still hanging around in the Pacific. Uh, this one hurts Winnipeg. They're five out of a wild card spot at the moment, or they're trying to track down uh, Dallas and Nashville in their division, but they're uh, they're still there. They just got to pick up the pace a little bit, so a lot of good races here going on in the Western Conference. The races aren't uh, quite as interesting in the Eastern Conference, uh, Rob. I guess, no, the East, uh, I mean, East is done. The, East, the, East, the top eight it, teams are going to be in. Everyone else is a seller at the deadline. Uh, and oddly enough, the best non-playoff team in the East is Detroit. And they're six points behind Boston, but Boston has three games in hand. Uh, I guess I got to give up hope on the New York Islanders, eh, Rob? <laughs> they're, <laughs> well, they're under 500, and they're uh, they, 16 points out of a wild card spot. They yeah. need to go something like 30 and three on the, the remainder of the season, something along that line. No, the East, there's not a lot of drama out East. There certainly is going to be out West, and that's why this game was. I said before the game with Bob that this game meant way more to the Winnipeg Jets than it did to the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers were in a playoff spot. The Jets are trailing, and they've got a number of teams between them and where they need to be. They need to win home games, and it was a, it was a, this was a kick in the gut to them. This is a team that the expectations were high. I, I heard you talking. I think it was before the game tonight with Bob that this would be the Winnipeg Jets would be one of the biggest disappointments on the season for you, and I agree. I had this team not only in the playoffs but firmly in the playoffs, uh, and they have not met the expectations that many had for them. Jets make it interesting late. Nurse gets an empty netter in the dying second, so Edmonton has won five in a row. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. Well, there's a new one, Rob. Uh, there is a new one. You know, working from home has been interesting over the last two years and quite smooth most of the time. Um, but I, I, I believe, um, you know, if, if the, our, uh, our computer system needs to do some sort of massive update or restart, <laughs> it's scheduled to happen on weekends. And apparently ours was scheduled for just after 5.30 today because all of a sudden my computer shut off, yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is why I was knocked off the air, and now I'm giving you a phone call. So there we go. Yeah. We're okay. Working though. from home has been interesting for everyone. My wife does Zoom. She teaches. She's a prof at U of A, and my daughter has been on a lot of Zoom calls for, her, for my wife and her school. So, yes, it has been a... A learning experience for all of us older people and computers all right but we're all fine we're all fine we're back on oh this is a treat this guy doesn't call very often but i always enjoy when he chimes in it is kjm on the certainty hotline hi kjm go ahead 
Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, I uh, I had a quick question. I wanted to get your guys' opinion about whether or not this is sort of a little bit more uh, bad habits that the Oilers have have had at times, even even maybe earlier in the season when they were they were being successful, versus just tired legs. And that I kind of thought that uh, you know when we were went up three nothing and. Uh, as the third was going on, I thought that there was a, a huge drop-off in terms of, uh, you know, the, the effort level in terms of getting pucks deep and uh, making the right plays out of the zone. And I just wanted to, to see what you guys thought, you know, where where's the balance between that's a bad habit creeping in and that's, you know, uh, us being in the middle of a, a five and seven. Um, I mean, it's a good point. Uh, sometimes when players get tired, they get they start resorting back to, I don't know, bad plays or, or their mind slows down and doesn't do the things that they're supposed to do. It's like a skater. When you go power skating, uh, if you're fresh, you, you do all the things that the power skater tells you to do. But once you get tired legs, you start to resort back to uh, your old yucky skating ability. And I think that's when, when players get tired in games, sometimes their mind shuts off a little bit. And you got to give the Winnipeg Jets credit too. They started pushing. And the Edmonton Oilers are a tired group. The Winnipeg Jets uh, were a little more desperate because they were behind, and I think that's part of it too. Um, there were mistakes made. There were mistakes made earlier in the game as well, but they're more noticeable when the game got a little bit closer. To me, it's just uh, mistakes were made, but they found a way to get a win on the road against a team that was desperate for points. So to me, I'm looking glass half full on this one. But yeah, the Oilers weren't as good in the third period, but the Winnipeg Jets were a big part of that too. All right, Miko Koskinen gets the victory back to Winnipeg. Here he is. Felt really good, you know. I've been watching at home and it's never easy, but last games we've been playing, it's been really fun to watch and uh, fun to be back with the boys, boys again and it's uh, good vibes in the team. Out in COVID protocol, did you have any symptoms at all or maybe take us through? Well, I was really lucky, like I didn't have any, any symptoms, so just bad timing for, for me. I missed like five games and but that's part of the life and you know hockey is only one part and most important than everyone's healthy you mentioned that you've been watching from home tonight you played behind uh jay woodcroft for the first time do you feel like your team is more connected uh in front of you and there's a little bit more attention to detail per se uh, yeah you can say that you know i don't want to go past but right now i really like how the team is playing and um there's still a lot of room, room to improve, and um, we try to get better every day. And uh, that's that's the su- uh, key to be successful in the um, end of the year. Those breakaways, shorthanded, you made the first save. Look like you made the second save too, when the puck just trickled in. Yeah, you know what? I think I should um, come through the puck in the second one. It came like a little bit closer to me, but I decided to stay in the net. And uh, this time, it just went in, and they got the goal there. But you know, we're happy that we got the two points, and that's all, all that matters. You know, Connor, he, he shoots from there all the time. Does his shot overpower people? Did you look like you were over there on the Connor shot? Went off your arm and in the second goal he scored? Yeah, I kind of... Kyle Connor. Not yeah, Kyle Connor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got a good shot there, but I felt like it kind of like a bad angle, and I felt that he doesn't have any, any net there where to shoot, but... I don't know, somehow it went in like, I'm not sure if it hit post in my back or what happened there, but I give him a credit, a good shot, and um, 
Yeah, he's a good player too. So how difficult is it for a goalie when the other team's got a two-man advantage in the last minute? You're trying to watch all these people. There's just see, it seems like the other team's got so many people, and you you want too many defenders. Yeah, you know when the six and four, it's a little bit more difficult because you you never practice for that. You know, it's I don't know if it's good or bad for even them to get the sixth guy because it's usually too many man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I th but we handled that really well, and uh, what, a, what a great block from Seas uh, in the end there. And uh, you know, it's a huge difference when you make block like that, and uh, makes the goalie's job way easier. And uh, have to give him a credit. You know, it's it's coming hard when Seifel is one time it there. Nice easy one from Darnell from 180 feet too, right? Yeah, right to yeah. the middle of the net. Yeah, that's nice. Good call for him. All right, Miko Koskinen, the winning goaltender today as the Oilers beat the Jets 4-2. Also on the scoreboard, provided by Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. The Avalanche beat the Sabres 5-3. The Avalanche are 36-9-4 on the season. Just an awesome team. Later on tonight, Seattle at Calgary, Ducks and Canucks, Kings and Coyotes. In the first period, the Blues, so Toronto just scored. So uh, now 2-1 St. Louis leading Toronto and no score between Boston and Ottawa with about three minutes left in the first. Rogers place tonight at 7. Oil Kings will take on Saskatoon. Don't forget, Oilers back at it tomorrow. 4.30 face-off show game at 6 right here on 6.30. Chad. Rob, uh, the, the 6 on 4, how mm -hmm. often would, uh, when you played, would your team either practice well, I guess the, you'd kind of practice both at the same time, but specifically you focus on scoring uh, six on four or defending the four against six. Um, very rarely. Uh, probably really? not near as much as you should. Yeah, I, I'm, I just, when he, the, Miko was talking about it and I started thinking back, yeah, actually I don't really recall that. I know that sometimes you practice uh, face-off plays because when you're on a six on four, there's certain setups that you want off the face-off, but I don't recall once a year maybe not near enough for the amount of times that it happens over the course of the season um and you should i know that there's usually a timeout and you set up where guys are supposed to be but it it is something that you should practice a lot more and i mean it's funny i don't know if you saw i, I don't know what the number is now but the minnesota wild who are coming tomorrow last 12 or 13 uh extra what goalie pulled goals already scored this year so I'm not sure if Dean Everson is practicing it more than any other team, but they've it's unbelievable. I know that during the game time, they talked about the Wild pulling their goalie so early the last time they played. They're so good at it. Uh, but it, it's something that you should practice more often because uh, it, it's probably a good team on it could get an extra five to six points a season simply by being a little bit better six on four and being able to score a goal. Well, and it just keeps stretching out and out. I mean, it used to be uh, a minute, and then it kind of became a minute 30, and now I, I feel like two minutes is kind of the standard, though if a, if a coach pulls a goalie with two and a half, I don't really flinch anymore. I think if it was up around three. Uh, but, yeah, Everson has kind of been known for that this season. I mean, I just quickly checked, and there was an article written in, in January um, about how often they've played the pulled the goalie, and they've played... They've played with a pulled goalie about 20 minutes or so more than any other team. So they so they decided well, to go for success. it early. <laughs> yeah, they've had success. Um, I, I think it's something that should be focused on. It should be more important. Uh, and when you're talking about when you pull a goalie, 
when I played, it was usually under a minute is when you would do it. And then you started thinking, well, if we're pulling our goalie because it gives us a bit, why don't we pull it a little bit earlier? I think one of the things that coaches look at is who's up. Um, if you're talking, if it's their turn to go out with two and a half minutes and you have a face off in the offensive zone, you want to pull your goalie with your best players. So that's why they started going a little bit early. And then I'm guessing and analytics tell you that there's more when you pull your goalie and the longer you do it, the better chances you have. So teams are looking at stats more so now than they did when I, but I, when I played, I remember Marty McSorley's brother, Chris coached in Vegas in the minors. And in the middle of the second period, they had a five on three. He pulled their goalie to make it a six on three and they scored. So I have yet to see that done at the NHL level, but I'm like, I was on the ice when they made it six on three. There is nothing you can do as a defender other than hope. Yeah, it does. It does totally change the mindset, doesn't it? And I mean, when it gets into those final two minutes with the extra attacker on everybody's the defensive team and then the fans, you know, cheering for the team with the lead, you, you kind of brace, right? It's that it's that mm-hmm. desperation moment. So I'm sure Evison and other goalies to do an early poll is like, why not put that stress on the other team as early as possible? And you know, rarely do things in the NHL come down to goal differential, right? I mean, I think it's the third yes. tiebreaker now. So yeah, if you're, you're if you're lo- if you're if you're losing four one with six minutes left, does it really matter if you lose five one? No, and and even at the very worst, if you make it four two on a on a pulled goalie goal, at least you worked on it in a game situation. Even if you don't come all the way back, but you get it out there and you start working on it with certain players. I, to me, I have nothing wrong with pulling the goalie at, at the time, like what time is on the clock. You just have to worry about where the puck is, who's taking face-offs, things like that. That's what you're more focused on to make sure that you have full control of the puck when the goalie is coming out. But as far as at what time on the clock, it doesn't matter. I mean, do it in the middle of the... I've seen Mike Keenan do it in the middle of periods many times just to try to change the way a game was going. Yeah, I just double checked the. It's actually the sixth tiebreaker now is goal differential. Now, so you, I should say you the, get the, way the down there. Yeah, the the first tiebreaker is points percentage, which isn't relevant at the end of the season because everybody played the same number of games, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's kind of silly so that that's in there then. Well, I think they listed it just for t- breaking ties throughout the regular season as well. But uh, yeah, then it's uh, then it's games one in. Uh, in regulation time, then it's games one in regulation and overtime, then it's total wins, then it's head-to-head points, and then it's goal differential. So yeah, it's not like a short tournament where well, if you if you lose a game by too much, you might get knocked out. I mean, over the whole season. So I think that's why some coaches are and and it must give the offensive players a spark where they figure like, okay, our coach is going for it. We might be well, we might have a one percent chance of winning this game, but he's given us that full one percent to go out and do it. Well, absolutely, and it just gives the offensive players another weapon on the ice. Um, I, I, to me, I'm all for it. It, uh, you, you know what it's like whenever the team pulls the goal. The, the excitement level is much bigger in an arena as well because there usually is more opportunities. You, there's an extra guy in front of the net. If there's a puck that's in the corner, you have an extra guy chasing after it, trying to hunt it down. So, obviously, the stats point to it being successful because teams are doing it more and more and earlier and earlier. So, yeah, I'm all for it. And I, it would have been interesting tonight if there, with that penalty call, if there would have been a six on three at the end of the game. But I, I, I have nothing wrong with in the middle of a game, if you're down by three goals and you're down and you have a power play, pull your goal at that point. I mean, what's the difference between doing it then 
or doing it with two minutes left in a hockey game. Send a message to your team. Well, and it just has to become more widely accepted by coaches, right? I mean, there's things that happen in all sports that you can look back on and say, well, nobody ever would have done that or that would have seemed crazy or totally off the mark and then it, it sort of becomes just a, a part of how I mean you and I've been talking a lot lately about how the, some of the goals the players score oh. right and then you know Zegris doing the stuff with the, the puck and then the lacrosse style goals and there are still some people as we know who get mad at them but that, that that's going to become normal right and and I, and I the one thing I like about hockey and I, I hope this keeps happening and of course we value checking and goaltending but all, all those types of things that the, the leagues that are the most successful and the most exciting and the NFL is great is a great example. They, they, they lean the rules and the progression towards offensive ideas mm-hmm. and, and offensive players. And I, and I think we're seeing that in the national hockey league lately, which is good. I, I agree. And as far as uh, different stuff coming up with, with teams pulling goalies, uh, different tactics. I think that when you start getting coaches that are younger coming into the national hockey league, they'll bring new ideas. I think it's usually harder for coaches that have been around a long time to change a whole lot and adapt. Okay, this is what we're going to do now because I, I I remember when, because they don't remember when, but the new coaches coming in, uh, they whether it's in college or junior or or wherever they they learn their, their craft, they've seen different things. They've tried different things. So I think the younger coaches coming in will have more uh different ideas that will be a little more off the wall to the old timers but as long as they get results you'll see more and more coaches jumping on that bandwagon and i hope they do because it's right now what we're seeing with the, the skill level of the national hockey league players over the last number of years is it's so much higher so much better than it was 10 20 30 40 years ago I'm gonna. I'm falling down this rabbit hole. I guess I know what I'm gonna be doing for reading tonight. So I'm just. <laughs> uh, apparently, there was a study in 1976, and uh, somebody at Stanford concluded that two and a half minutes was the ideal time to pull a goalie if you're down a goal. And then I guess there was a more recent study saying. No, I'll have to go read on the read on the study here. But it said that an, an aggressive goalie pulling strategy would yield uh, one or two standing points in a season. So. You know, maybe not a ton, and I guess it, it depends if you're down a goal or two. But still, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. But I mean, you got to look into this stuff, right? I mean, you you got to have all the all the information about what's. It's all about increasing your odds, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's no guaranteed formula that there's no guaranteed decision that's going to work all the time. But it's all about increasing your odds. Well, isn't everything in life math? If you follow, well, pretty math, much, you, yeah. <laughs> so it's like if you go to Vegas, if you just go with the odds of this is okay, this at this, I'm playing blackjack. This tells me I'm supposed to do this. It doesn't guarantee you're going to win it, but it increases your odds. So if you're playing, if you're coaching a hockey team, well, this doesn't guarantee. If we pull our goalie now, it doesn't guarantee we're going to score, but it increases our odds of scoring. And I think that's what you're trying to do: find every advantage possible to get every point possible over the course of a season. Oilers win their fifth in a row, 4-2 against the Jets. Matthew is the winner of a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. He took the under. I set the line before the game at 3.5 for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it for combined points for Fogle, Ryan, and Nugent Hopkins. That line had been great. Well, they get nothing today. So... Uh, Matthew takes the under, and as I mentioned, uh, Derek Ryan kind of playing fewer minutes than he had been 
over the the last few games so uh it is the under today as uh, that line is held off the score sheet mcdavid gets three points man he loves playing the jets rump uh 47 <laughs> points in 26 regular season games now he got a whole bunch last year when they played each other nine times but he was flying today he was and probably could have had uh, you know three or four more without even blinking an eye uh, he's been very good in the last five games he seems like he has a an extra step out there uh every time he gets the puck it's one of those ones where you, you lean forward if you're watching the tv or you you stand up if you're in the arena because something special could happen he was very good in, in this game tonight creating a number of good chances and uh the the oilers for them to be successful their leaders have to lead and i think both well actually go all three throwing in darnell nurse their their top three players have been excellent since the coaching change that's our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind down the line the Oilers 5-0 and since Jay Woodcroft uh, took over so the Oilers right back at it tomorrow we will see the uh, Minnesota Wild coming to Rogers place they won their earlier visit here uh, this season and they're having like we've been talking about an excellent season a lot of speed on the team they're 30-13-3 uh, still well behind I mean that's the crazy thing like the Minnesota Wild are playing 685 hockey Rob they're 13 points behind Colorado. <laughs> like, hey, with, with a sad thing, come playoff team, one of those teams is going to be out in the second round. So that that the part that sucks when you have two really good teams in the same division. Minnesota's good. And you're looking up and down their lineup, and you're like, okay, you know, it's not bad, but the, 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 the whole complete group as a team is better than they are individually. They are a good team. They're well coached. They're deep. They're fast. They're physical. It is a, a completely different Minnesota Wild team than we're used to seeing, and it'll be a it'll be a test for the Edmonton Oilers. Wild coming off a couple of losses, and as you've been hearing, the Oilers have now won five in a row. Get more on this game on 630chet.com or globalnews.ca. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer this afternoon. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. So, yeah, right back at it tomorrow, 4.30 face-off show game at 6 with the Oilers hosting the Wild. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Edmonton 4, Winnipeg 2 is your final. Have a great night. Thank you.